0: Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of restaurantowner.com and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. Running a restaurant involves making a lot of tough decisions, but choosing Touch Bistro's POS isn't one of them. Our sponsor, Touch Bistro, offers an all-in-one POS and restaurant management system that's easy to use, easy to manage, and easy to afford. Find out why thousands of restaurants trust Touch Bistro to help them simplify operations, increase sales, and deliver a great guest experience. Here are your hosts, Barry Schuster and Chris Tripoli.
1: Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli. And I'm Barry Schuster, editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine.
2: And today we've got a team of professionals that we're going to interview. And we're going to hear a story about seafood restaurants, oyster business, beach bungalows. Let me introduce you to Raz Halili and his partner, Joe Cervantes.
3: Raz, Joe, welcome to Corner Booth. Hey, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for for being here. Absolutely. So you guys are
1: down by the coast. You've picked seafood as your concept, which is a natural. I love seafood, so I want to hear all about it. Chris and I always like to ask, hey, you know, what got you into the business? What, you know, was it something that you grew up in? Was it something you dreamed of? Was it something you fell in? You know, what was uh, the path to where you got today?
3: You know, as you mentioned, on the coast, and you know, seafood is natural. But we're we're down here, and you know, sunny San Leon, which is historically known as fishing village, for for centuries and centuries, you know, seafood that circulates all across the country, gets pulled right out of the waters here in San Leon. So naturally, you know, doing a seafood restaurant makes sense. Using nature's bounty that we're you know able to bring in locally, feature that on the menu. Uh, it's it's important. Guests it resonates. And also just, you know, supporting our local commercial fishermen. You all, all those things made sense, sense to me in doing a restaurant here in San Leon on the coast.
2: And so where is San Leon? Uh, say, how far are you from major cities like, I don't know, Galveston Freeport or something?
3: Well, we're uh, about 25 minutes from Galveston Island and about 45 minutes from downtown Houston. Um, and that's not, you know, factoring in traffic or uh, the speed that I drive at. It's not too. It's not too too much of a hike.
2: So, can you guys go back to Barry's Point and maybe talk before this concept? Were you in uh, other seafood restaurants? Did the this restaurant idea bring you to to Texas, or had you been
3: here doing other things? Well, I'm I'm a you know second generation oysterman, not in the restaurant business at all. I grew up in the commercial fishing side. Chef Joe has been in the kitchen since uh, he could walk, so I'm going to let him jump in in here and kind of take over.
4: Right. So prior, prior to uh, meeting with Raz and, you know, opening up a uh, seafood with him, I was executive chef of Brennan's Restaurant, Brennan's of Houston. So we focused a lot of our, our menu was based of seafood, Louisiana cuisine, New Orleans. It had a lot of ties to New Orleans with the, being with the Commander's Palace family. And then before Brennan's, I was with uh, Ronnie Killen, In in Paraland, we you know have a lot of you know good steak backgrounds and focused on premium cuts of meats. So I kind of did like a little bit of hybrid of both with opening this concept. It's it's ninety percent of the menu is seafood based and it's local Gulf, but then we also have great steaks on the menu as well. Figured have a good steak background. If I was going to put a steak on the menu, it was just going to be it was going to be the best. It was going to be prime, or um, you know we'll bring some specials in and. Run specials on tomahawks and things like that. So, wow. So yeah, so we so we are known for our seafood, but we're also the word's getting out that we have great steaks as well.
1: Brad, you still are you still commercial fishing? Are you still running boats out into the Gulf? Uh,
3: no, so I'm I'm on the business side of things now. Uh, growing up as a kid, you know, I did that much. You know, younger, I grew up on the docks as a kid, just being here on the docks, unloading shrimp boats, oyster boats, loading eighteen wheelers. As a teenager, I started getting on the boats and actually harvesting uh, oysters out in the water. And I did that in the summers through school and through college. And then after college is when I kind of transitioned to the business side of things, kind of implementing you know, a marketing strategy and focusing, taking us from a commodity item more to a value-add item that is distributed in, in food service and retail. And that's been my role for the past you know, decade plus. Are you
1: buying right off the boats? I mean, a, a long time ago, I was... I was a deck can a commercial fishing boat and we had a relationship with a few restaurants and, you know, we would just, they'd come down, we'd load up a couple crates for them. They'd take it home. Or you have going through a broker, you know, everybody's about farm to fork. I'm kind of interested in, and in if there's a boat to fork, deck to fork thing going on now that of course, you know, you can't get any fresher fish than that, you know?
3: I'm proud to say that our company, Prestige Oysters, which my parents started with Pier 6, it's, as, you, as you're saying, directly from the boat to the restaurant. We're a fully integrated oyster company here, and we specialize in oysters from the resource in the water, the harvesting vessels, the landing docks, the processing facilities, and logistics. So in-house, I mean, these oysters, you know, are coming directly from us, they're sourced. Regulations have changed a lot, probably since, you know, you were handing mm-hmm. a deckhand on a vessel. Um, you know, so being able to sell directly to a restaurant really, uh, at those, those different, it doesn't really work like that anymore. You definitely have to go through certified docs and dealers and, uh, distributors and et cetera. But with us having, you know, prestige oysters, you know, we're able to offer that to consumers and they, they, you know, they buy into that. They understand, you know, the background, uh, associated with Pier six and prestige and, you know, that the oysters, they're getting the freshest oysters that they can, consume, you know, bar them going out into the water and diving for them themselves. So, uh, you know, people come in, you know, all the time and they're always just like, "Man, ah, these are the, the most freshest tasting oysters I've ever had. And it's, that's the biggest compliment for us is when they come in and they try the seafood and they, and they realize and they connect with the brand and, you know, understand that truly we're giving them a quality product that they can, you know, they feel the value in the spending and and enjoying.
1: I saw fun? I saw your menu and and obviously there's a lot of a lot of uh, oyster um, offerings Is the menu pretty seasonal given the fact that I mean different fish are going to come in at different times of the year um, I just caught a, a glimpse of your menu about a week ago um, as it stands now um, is it subject to change uh, very much depending on what the boat what's what's coming in on the docks
3: Well, with oysters, we're, you know, we're a year-round producer. We own our private fishery, um, which is uh, MSC certified private fishery. That's a third-party sustainability organization that certifies our product as sustainable. So, um, like I said, our private fishery, 12 months out of the year, we're harvesting oysters. uh, So that is something that we're always going to have on the menu. Um, I will say that oysters, they have different, they have peaks. We're now going moving into the warmer months where oysters will begin to spawn so you're going to see them uh not as plump little a little bit more water content to them water content to them which and for example like it that, that doesn't always determine whether oh it's you know you should eat it or you shouldn't eat it i i prefer to eat them when they're you know a little watery because it's a little less to chew on um you know some people like them when they're just nice and plump and fat and it's full of meat like in the spring but, uh, you know, a lot of people, they like them. You know, you you, you get that nice, you know, saltwater flavor to them. Um, so summertime, you're always going to have a, a, a skinnier oyster. Wintertime, they're going to be at their peak. Uh, beyond oysters, you know, we also do – we do a little – we have a little bit of shrimp as, as well here at Prestige. And uh, right now, we're using local bay shrimp. So not frozen on board uh, that shrimp, which is great shrimp, but actual – bay cod shrimp which are going to eat so much sweeter um and y- y- it's really night and day difference when you when you taste the sweetness from a bay shrimp compared to you know uh, a frozen gulf boat shrimp um but beyond the shrimp and the oysters you know uh you know if i'll let chef kind of take over and kind of talk about some of the specials we'll do um with different things such as flounder um during the fall um, so chef
4: will jump in yeah, so going back to seasonality, um, our menu does change. We tweak some things out here seasonally, not necessarily the whole a whole uh, seasonal menu, if you will. But, you know, crops in season, we're going to add, you know, a variety of crawfish dishes, uh, bring in some soft show crabs, you know, while they're in season to play around with. Uh, desserts, you know, there's some fall items, desserts, fall fruits, winter fruits. And then we're in summertime, so we're featuring watermelon and lighter uh fruit forward um specials and appetizers um so yeah we do tweak it out um but we don't change the whole menu a lot of the seafood that we do get you know we can get um, red snapper you know year round, and uh things like that so so when it comes to to fish
3: you know we we what we're using is can be sold year around yeah yeah this, the staple items your red drum
0: yeah you
3: know, your american red snapper uh, your tuna, you know, people, people want those, those are dishes people, you know, yes. they want to eat, they recognize. And then, you know, thankfully, you know, we can source them year round uh, and it's, you know, not frozen. This is all fresh uh, products, fresh in-house cut fish that, you know, chefs preparing.
2: I think it's fascinating, you know, when you have, and it's very rare, of course, when you have a restaurant operation that is connected to a second generation family owned uh, you know, seafood restaurant, it's, it, it would almost be like, you know, and we have a very rare opportunities to talk to restaurant owners that say also own a bakery uh, that they can supply themselves or uh, yeah. ranchers that can raise their own beef. So this is a very unique situation. So two questions that I'd like to have to talk a little bit about does, does prestige your oyster uh, seafood year round fishery, uh, does it sell to just one wholesaler for other restaurants or do you sell and direct, uh, and deliver to other wholesale accounts? Uh, and then second, are the Pier 6 customers uh, at your seafood restaurant, is it also a market? Can they buy, say, whole fish or do- you know, dozens of oysters to go if they like?
3: Yeah, so uh, to your first question, um, we're, uh, we're a nationwide distributor of oysters for food service and retail. So this, this isn't directly just that one wholesaler. Uh, on a weekly basis, we're shipping product uh, to California, to Florida, and all in between. We have frozen products in all 50 states across the country. Uh, we're in food in the retail sector: Walmart, Whole Foods, uh, Central Market. You'll find our products Rouses throughout the you know throughout the Gulf Coast, Publix down in Florida. Uh, so we you know we have a large footprint um, across the country, uh, and it's diversified uh, in many different wholesalers from independent to big broad line distribution across the country. Uh, and it's just, that's something that, you know, I worked on transitioning because traditionally we're, you know, a large commodity, uh, type business where uh, we sold the, you know, the raw material to other processors to so then broke it down and kind of doing what I'm doing now. And we still do a combination of that raw commodity shipping combined with the food service and retail business. Uh, and uh, to moving into your second question, uh, no, we are not a market at Pier 6. Uh, we, do, we do sell oysters and shrimp here at the office at Prestige, Prestige right down the road. So uh, consumers, you know, they can come in, uh, customers all the time, they're always asking, and we just send them down the road here to the office, and they're able to get a you know, fresh sack of oysters and, you know, bay shrimp when we have it available.
1: You know what? Something that occurs to me, Chris and and, and guys, Ross and um, everybody talks about supply ish- chain issues right now, and I'm sure there's, you know, you guys have those issues as well. But it seems where you're, I'll use the term vertically integrated with your major supply chain, your oysters. It, it, unless I'm imagining things, it seems like you have a huge advantage over a lot of other restaurants. Um, you want to speak to that a bit?
3: Yeah, you know, it's um it's a it's, it's a blessing and a curse because uh when well, there's a supply chain issues, you know, obviously we have a large customer base and we you know, we like to be fair to everybody. Um and when times get tough, everybody wants the product and um, you know, you know, we always try to do our best to be fair to make sure everyone gets you know the proper allocation and it's and that's the case right now as we move into the leaner months. Uh, but yes, we are, you know, we are in a better position and Obviously, you know, Pier Six is is going to get cream of the crop on, on the on the oysters for for Chef Joe here. Otherwise, he'll be uh, <laughs> he'll be at my desk, uh, and I'll be ready for a conversation. But but no, it's um like you said, we we are fully integrated, and uh, there are very many s- supply chain issues that we've incurred uh, throughout the pandemic, just like everyone from um, packaging, sure, to put the raw material in. I mean you would think that some of the simplest things that I would have never thought we'd have a problem with would just become an absolute nightmare and almost to the point to where it halted the business. I mean, we were going in circumstances uh, that we didn't know if we were able to harvest the next day if we didn't get, you know, packaging yet. Um, and it was, you know, on our side, it was mostly due to packaging, uh, you know, from the raw material to even to the food service and retail items. Uh, it's, it's funny when you start really, Break down where everything comes from. It's, you know, it's few, few large companies are, you know, factoring in for a lot of these products that many different consumers use uh, all over, all over the world. And it just goes to show how connected we are around the world. So things that we're, you know, we think that don't matter in other parts of the country or parts of the world definitely do affect you and can affect yeah. the business for consumers.
2: Well, you know, a moment ago, Joe, you did a real good job of outlining the impact of seasonal menuing and uh, and how you can uh, keep some of your basic items all the time uh, and still work seasonally. Could you talk a little bit about the Pier 6 restaurant operation on other things that you've got to manage seasonally? Here you are uh you know, a beach-based restaurant. So, is there tremendous seasonality from the consumer? Um, beach season, winter season, and does it create issues with regards to revenue planning? And how is staffing in a seasonal situation like this? Is it is it like I'm assuming, like a ski resort, where you're crazy busy for one season and then you're uh-oh, having to you know uh, scale way back? Um, could you tell us a little bit about how that affects Pier Six?
4: Yeah, I mean, luck, luckily for us, we have a good client base of, of a lot of locals, locals in the area, surrounding suburbs. Um, so it's you know, for us, it's just you know, we we, we stay busy year round. Winter time, winter time when it does get cold, we have a you know a patio that that does a lot of our business. So we we make sure we fill a lot of heaters and and um, you know, so I mean
3: we're, you know, we're, when that's we're in the suburban pocket too, you know, it's not just, we're, it's, it's funny. It's like, when you get to San Leon, you feel very secluded from the, right. you know, it's like, where the hell am I right now? I'm out in the sticks, but then you drive 10 minutes down the road and you're in a, you know, nice, you know, heavily populated suburban area. Um, so, and there's very many suburban pockets. You have Lake city, you have Dickinson, you have Texas city, then you have Hitchcock and Mark and Friendswood and, then yeah, Alvin and Pearland and you also have to go further down into the island and then you have the Houston crowd. So, um, you know, I didn't even mention you, you go further down to Seabrook, all these small pockets of communities that, you know, we're 15, 20 minutes away from that people can drive to and get to. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like they're getting away when you drive down to San Leon because you're on the water and then, you know, everything looks different and it's just, it's a completely different setting. So we do have a, you know, like I said, even in, you know the off season. It's you know we turn that patio into a nice you know warm environment, and it it really you know it's definitely a lot busier than it is in the summertime. When it's hundred and ten degrees outside right now,
4: and and since we stay busy around you know our our staffing situation doesn't really have to change much. You know we stay fully staffed in the summertime as we do in the wintertime, and so uh, we don't have seasonal staff or anything like that.
1: Has has your staffing um, been? going well considering everything that's going on with the labor issues other operators are dealing
3: with uh, um. you know our front of house staff we have have a lot of day ones that have been with us since we opened and they've done really well Uh, Mm -hmm. they you know uh done well in the company they've done well for themselves and they've grown with us um and to be quite frankly we've never had issues with front of house staffing uh we have a young group uh it's very energetic they all kind of enjoy working together. And, um, you know, especially right now, obviously kids coming home from school, you know, if they hear about it, everybody's, you know, they want to get a job there and it's a fun environment. We, you know, try to create that culture um, and, and and keep it that way, keep it light, keep it fun, but also keep it professional. And, you know, chefs always educating them on things that, you know, they, you know, haven't tried or, you know, cuisines and different things and building that in the repertoire. So for, you know, for front of house, we've always been solid and back of house, you know, obviously there's, you know, there's ups and downs, you know, it's, it's, it's a industry that people change and kind of move. And uh, I think now we've kind of built a solid core group of, uh, of back of house staff that we've had for quite some time. And uh, it's, you know, they, they become molded I, what I've seen from the outside looking and they become molded and everyone starts to work together as a team and, it um, becomes like a backup house family, and I think that's really where the consistency in the food starts really coming out. Is when you get that solid core group of people um, that work well together, that know, you know, they know how that person preps, you know, the preps the food, and how uh, a certain person does another thing, and you know, you know, chef's able to fine tune things a lot easier when he has that that core group. Sure.
2: Uh, is Pier Six lunch and dinner, and do you handle private parties? Uh, are are uh, are you uh, available for also off premise catering?
4: We do lunch, dinner, and we also have brunch on Saturdays and Sundays till three o'clock. Uh, so the only day that we're not open is Mondays, but we're we're open six days a week, all meal periods. Uh, private dining, we don't have a private dining room just yet. Where we've talked about putting one into play, but we do book large parties and. Um, you know, that we can tweak certain items and certain menus with. um, But we don't have a private dining space. um, But again, it doesn't stop us from booking large parties. Yeah, we have 30 tops all the time. We've we've had some buyouts, you know, on Mondays when we're closed Some people, you know, want to buy the restaurant out and do some big events. We've done that on Mondays. Um, So, yeah. So maybe you could kind of walk us through how many years... Was Pier 6 in
2: operation before you decided to also develop uh, these beach-sized bungalows?
3: And how does all of this work together? So those kind of came in to play together. Um, you know, uh, Pier 6, obviously, uh, we actually, when my father purchased it, I, I was, I came back from a trade show. And he's like, hey, I, yeah, I bought the restaurant down the road. And at first I was just like, oh, man, that's, that's. Uh, that's a beast, you know. It was a, it was a big space, and I've been a restaurant two or three different times, and I, it was a, you know, a lot of capital. So I was like, you know, I knew nothing about the restaurant business, and I, at that point, I never wanted to, you know, because I know how difficult they are. Uh, and you know, we, we we sat on it for about two years, and we bought it in I think 2017 after Hurricane Harvey, uh, and we sat on it for a few years, and you know, we we let a lot of people look at it. Uh, Uh, The neighboring restaurants, uh, people from in town, from in Houston, from Galveston, they came and they would tour it. They just would say, look, you know, I don't see it. I don't, you know, we we don't we don't see see it making it out here. And so we're like, OK. And then after a certain point, I was like, you know. Let's just do this. You know, my father saw the idea, you know, we could we could do a restaurant. So started, you know, mulling it over more. And I was like, you know, it really could be done and i had a good you know idea of how i would want to do a restaurant down here and uh really just of brainstorming back and forth conversation with my parents um and then uh the idea came about you know let's let's do a you know a really elegant elevated but fun dining experience on the water one that somebody they could come off their boat and come grab some fresh seafood. They could come from in town dressed up to celebrate the birthday, or they could just be a neighbor down the road coming in for a casual lunch. Something that everyone if they felt invite, inviting, fresh, fun, and, but most importantly, had very high quality food. Uh, for us, that was number one. That's
2: really interesting. So you come home from a trade show, You've been working in the prestige uh, oyster company that your dad started. Then dad says, guess what? I bought the restaurant up the road. This is after Hurricane Harvey. It's a big place, as you said. It needed a lot of work. Oh, yeah. And Welcome to the restaurant business.
3: Yeah. And then uh, on top of that, we decided down the road, um, it was 18th Street Fishing Pier, which is a historical fishing pier in San Leon where people would go and, you know, you pay a little fee and you go fishing on the pier. And it was became transitioned into like a dive bar and then that's when we bought it when it got transitioned out of a dive bar during the pandemic and uh, you know it was it was another one that you know had been beaten up you know needed a lot of love so we just transformed it into these airbnb units because we're like look we're the restaurant now we're gonna have a lot of diners that are going to be coming you know they're going to be spending all day they're going to be drinking hanging out they're not going to want to drive back in town or you know, let's have an offering somewhere where they can kind of hang out. And it's not, you know, it wasn't just put some, you know, bungalows together, you know, and whatever, people just going to sleep. These are, you know, right on the water. You get the same view as you do with the restaurant. We also have a 200 foot fishing pier, uh, fully gated, secluded, uh, fully remodeled, furnished through Ethan Allen. So very coastal chic. You get in there and it's, you know, very, It's you see a lot of similarities that you do in the restaurant. So um, you feel connected with the brand. Um, and we've, they've, they've done really well you know they say booked up on the weekends and uh, it's just uh, another space that we were able to offer out to the customers coming down to, to visit us and how many years has that been Well they, they launched pretty much right and we we opened in what it was October 2020 and the bungalows were done and we started renting them out in late December January um, so. I mean, it was right. It was pretty much together. You would say they opened. Great. So both the
2: restaurants only uh, been operating a couple of years and the Airbnbs a couple of years. Yep. This is, this is a really great positive sign, you know, coming out of, of the pandemic, where you know, as you know, most of the stories have been established restaurants and then adjusting to the changing consumer demand and the closing down of the dining room, and then modifying the concept as business, you know, came back. Yeah,
3: this sort of giving I, birth in the storm. Yeah, and I, I really think that was kind of helpful for us because it was opening in in the middle. It was obviously scary, but also it was just like. we're at the point where everyone was like, they understood, they understood the risks, they understood how restaurants are operating, where they're transitioning to. So we didn't have to, we weren't already open and operating a certain way and then having to pivot. We were just, okay, you know, this is what everyone's doing right now. You know, let's start implementing these things as well as we open and then transition back out into normalcy, uh, which we're, you know, we're we're at now.
1: Having gotten into the business like, like you did um, and I'm sure Joe was helpful with his experience but um, were you kind of a natural at this did your other business skills sort of come into play and and it wasn't it wasn't anything that really threw you off or were there was there a learning curve and things you had to, to do to um, feel like you really had a handle on on hospitality business um, what was it what was it, the learning curve like for you
3: yeah. Um, Well, Joe's Joe's obviously been a a massive help uh, in that regard and and kind of, you know, he comes from, you know, a national institution that, you know, uh, they define, you know, culinary experiences in in some ways. So uh, to be able to have that to lean on and kind of learn from uh, is obviously it was it was a plus. Um, You know, I've I've seen the hospitality side growing up. I've had friends in the industry, so I've been able to see kind of the inner workings in a way, and how it should work. And I had a general idea of how I felt hospitality should be. And uh, I, I would say that, you know, did I know what, what I was doing when I when I opened the doors? Absolutely not. And I was learning every day uh, something kind of new. And uh, I think that, you know, obviously, knowing how to run a business, operate a business, uh, you know, you go in there, it's it's just work. And, and, and that's what it takes is consistency day in, day out, small things. And you work towards a goal, knock that goal down, just continue on and continue on. Um, and you know, you learn from your mistakes and you push forward, uh, and strive to do better. And I, I really, you know, I think that's just, that's, you know, pretty much how I, uh, approach everything. And I, I wouldn't say that, uh, I still know what I'm doing yet. I would say that uh, I'm still learning, but I definitely feel we've come a long way. I've come a long way in understanding the business. Uh, uh, we brought a lot of good front of house staff in uh, to kind of help Joe. Uh, so he can kind of focus more on the culinary side and we can fine tune uh, the things that we do in front of front of house side. So uh, I don't think it's ever an, uh, an ending process. We're always going to want to work to be better and kind of learn from, from our mistakes. So um, it's a, uh, End of the day, it's just consistency and hard work.
1: So your, your father saw opportunity. Um, you saw opportunity. You've grown and expanded the business, um, maybe organically, because things would present themselves. And, and But nevertheless, you've been able to grow this enterprise. Um, it, do you still have a growth mindset? Are you looking for the next thing? Are you looking at the way to replicate what you're doing or do you just kind of go with what you have and then say, okay, well, when the next thing presents itself, we'll, we'll take a look at it. What's the, what's the growth mindset for you
3: at this point? Well, well, with prestige, you know, we've been growing and tremendously uh, over the past 20 years, not just the 10, 10 years plus, you know, when I came on the business side of things, but, you know, my parents started this business from nothing. My dad's an immigrant to this country. He uh, he never, been on a boat in his life, didn't know what an oyster was, uh, made his way from you know, projects of Chicago down to uh, Louisiana, deckhand on an oyster boat, worked his way up to be a captain, met my mother, they saved the money, they strapped every dollar they could into this business and, you know, started out very small. And, you know, when when he talks about it, you know, in the beginning it was, you know, he didn't dream of what we have today. It was, you know, it was just, you uh, you know, I want to buy a boat. I want to buy another boat, you know, you know, save that money. Okay, here's an opportunity uh, if I can get that piece of real estate. and You know, opportunity, and you know, it's just funny, the harder he worked, the more opportunity came to his door and the uh, uh, more successful he became. And uh, I've seen this company grow since I was a child to where I am today. And uh, my mindset is to continue on as, as the growth as we have been and um, fine-tuning our, our fishery making sure. sure that, you know, we're doing the things we need to do to ensure that we can, we can fish um, for decades into the future and we can continue the growth of the company, growth of the brand. Uh, you know, it's, like I said, we're just kind of breaking into retail um, past, you know, say three years, four years. Uh, we really want to expand that. And uh, we have some other fun offerings that we want to start uh, by uh, offering to consumers via, you know, direct sale uh, from our website, um and it's just small fun little things uh and that, that we're gonna continue to add to the to the overall growth of prestige with, with pier six you know it's um you know it was kind of like a random thing that happened but you know uh it's a, a bit of a blessing because I really enjoy the business uh enjoy working with Joe and the team and um it's 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 fun for us because the, the, the fishing side the ocean business is tough it is a brutal business you're dealing with mother nature you're dealing, you know, with with all these factors that you cannot control, logistics, bad weather, uh, your current constant changing in federal state regulations. Uh, it's it's a constant, you know, battle to do business. And the restaurant's kind of fun because, you know, you set it up and obviously there's, there's hurdles and stuff, but it, you go in there and you, it's just like, Kind of a breath of fresh air to be able to relax with some of the stress from 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 prestige. And uh, would we do another one? You know, absolutely. If the you know opportunity presents itself, um, obviously for us, uh, we want to make sure it's the right space. It's you know, it's it's not that we want to put these little cookie cutters all over the country just to you know replicate it. We 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 want to make sure we're doing unique spaces uh, that are chef driven food, high quality food that have a purpose behind them. Um, and I think that's where the passion side of, of it comes in from us. Um, and I think that's how we'll be, we'll be successful as a hospitality group should we grow beyond uh, where we are now. Our sponsor, Touch Bistro, powers
0: thousands of restaurants with its all-in-one POS and restaurant management platform. Beyond its exceptionally easy-to-use point-of-sale, Touch Bistro provides best-in-class customer engagement products for online ordering, loyalty, email marketing, and gift cards. Whether you're focused on restaurant operations or keeping customers coming back for more, Touch Bistro can help. And now, back to Chris and Barry. Was
2: this building named Pier 6 when you bought it? Um Or, and then you just, you rectified it? Or was this something you created out of the old space that you bought?
3: No. So historically, this, this marina was called San Leon Marina. Um, One of the first marinas in San Leon. And then it sold, changed hands a few different times. And then uh, the restaurant was actually called, when we purchased it, it was called Bubba's Shrimp Palace. And before it was Bubba's Shrimp Palace, it was a place called Judges um, and, I think before that there was even another name for it way back when I was a kid, there was a small little, I don't know if it was a bar or a little burger shop. Uh, but it had been a restaurant, like I said, two different times, judges and then Bubba's and, um, you know, it, it had its own unique thing, you know, kind of like your kind of dive bar esque, uh, similar to some of the other places around sure. here, shrimp, you know, seafood shack, um, you know, fried basket, stuff like that. And, um, that wasn't interesting to me to do it a, a place like no. that. I think we have, we have too many of those already now. There's, there's nothing wrong with them. I love them. I love coming in and a basket of fried shrimp. And uh, I mean, it's one of the best things on the menu. Uh, right. But we wanted to do something more elevated uh, elevated in the area. It's the, a the, the backdrop. is absolutely beautiful. Uh, we have a very, one of the largest boating communities in the nation here in Clear Lake. And there's not many places you can go on your boat. When you go out, there's not many restaurants, not many marinas where you can go and pull into, so that's why we really wanted to expand the marina side. And it's you know, I'm great that we did because now we're seeing sailboats, big, large pressure, uh, pleasure boats, you know, fishing boats. Everybody's coming in, and after enjoying a day on the water, they come inside, you know, get some AC and some. some well,
2: you, some. and then, and the reason I asked was because being that it's only a couple of years and you found it, you concepted it, I was thinking that it was a complete concept change and a name change. And I was wondering if you could share with us a little bit and maybe Joe, you could jump in and talk about us since it's only been two years. uh, Explain how, how how it operates, uh, what type of technologies were important to maybe bring in uh, if you're using some for product control inventory, uh, for staff scheduling and training, because this is a Completely different concept than what was there before. And so, obviously, systems, procedures, technologies were probably recreated as this concept was defined, correct?
4: Correct. Yeah. So, luckily for us, you know, we were able to, um, you know, when I came on board, there wasn't, a, it wasn't a restaurant, right? So, we were building it, construction phase. There was a lot of time in the beginning up front to get all this organization knocked out, right? To developing recipes, to testing food items. Uh, I had a little uh, test kitchen here at at Prestige Oysters um, corporate office. And so, you know, we're cooking, you know, we'd come up with menu items. Then I would tweak them out, you know, cook them up, adjust the recipes and finalize each dish before actually, um, you know, getting in there. Nothing was rushed. Right. So uh, that was the benefit to that. Um, As as far as like technology goes, I'm I'm still very old school with spreadsheets and create my recipes in a spreadsheet. And. You know create booklets and stuff like that. we don't we don't really have any high tech technology just yet, although we're we're introducing a new POS system that can integrate a lot of uh, a lot of that for us, um inventory control and stuff like that. But uh, that's a work in
3: progress now. Um, like i like I said, those those mistakes that we're still learning on choosing the right POS system, the right you know technology um, you know. That those are all things that, you know, we, we chose one and we thought, you know, it was the way to go and come find out, you know, it didn't work and some of the things that we wanted to do. And, you know, I like to be advanced with technology to make things more efficient and, you know, make sure that we're operating you know, at our best, and to do that, you need the best tools to do that. So, sure. uh, pushing POS systems right now—it's uh, going to be in the next couple of weeks. So, we're excited for that change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be switching over our reservations platform. So, I think it's important to mention we're on open table right now. We're going to be switching over to Resy. Um, so, that's uh, very important for for viewers because reservations are are, I would say, very much needed if you're going to come in, especially from in town. You're going to come in on the weekends—Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, we stay pretty booked up throughout, this, throughout the day. I would say starting in the morning to close. I mean, the restaurant just, it gets, it gets full and it really doesn't really die down uh, throughout the evening, especially when the weather's as good as it is. Uh, people want to be outside. They want to, you know, be, they want to be coastal, so.
2: And what is the seating capacity of the restaurant? And, and do you have a
3: full bar available as well? Seating capacity, what do we have?
4: Let's say two, 280, 280, 280. 280. Yeah.
3: 280 with patio seating, full. Yeah. Front oh, seat. It's a big place, okay. Oh, yeah, it's, it's expanded, and you know, uh, the marina has now grown as well. Uh, we have two two bars, uh, 30 inside seats at the bar, 30 inside at the outside bar, so 60 seats in total for bar seating. And then we also have the uh, you know, the, the swing chairs, which are the, these nice rotanga type little uh, kind of rocking chairs that. People kind of hang out and they're drinking at, and there's, I think there's six of those. Mm-hmm. So, um, lounge seating. lounge seating, yeah. A lot of lounge seating throughout the space and the patio. Um, and then we have the fire pit sections in the front face that are right on the water. Um, so many different offerings. You could come in and you could have a nice meal inside transfer to the outside bar, transfer down to the fire pits, walk around the marina. I mean, it's a, it's a space that you, you, you could easily spend, you know, three, four hours at and not feel like, you know, you're not, not get bored.
1: You know, Chris, um, it, it, if I'm hearing you guys uh, correctly, Roz and Joe, you're able to, bow, you're able to offer a special occasion experience and also kind of a lively, fun beach vibe under the same roof and it all kind of works. That doesn't seem that easy, but you make it sound like it, it it's, it's, a very, it's very seamless in your restaurant. Um, it, 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 you say elevated, I, I think there's some parts of it where you could do a special date night or a special event on the other part of it, come with a pr- bunch of friends and have a really great, you know, kind of a beach vibe experience with drinks and, and oysters. Um, it, is, it all kind of works under the same roof that way.
3: Yeah. You know, when, when designing a space, you know, obviously, you know, uh, I, that was the conversation I had with designers. I was like, look, uh, you know, I want this space to feel that you could come here to celebrate your birthday and be dressed up. And you could also come here casually off the boat and feel comfortable in the setting as well. I didn't want it to feel stiff, but at the same time, I didn't want it to feel too casual. Um, so you get both of those offerings. And, you know, we have nights where it's super quiet. You come in there, you know, Wednesday, Tuesday through, through Thursday in the evening time. It's nice it's get you nice ambient music. It's more settled down. And then on Friday nights, you know, the music's a little bit more elevated. Saturday nights, we're bringing in a DJ on the patio and then inside in the winter. And the music's a little louder. The environment's a little funner. uh, And that's, you know, I I think that's where, you know, we're able to kind of pivot and transition where it's, you know, you come there during the day, like you said, with your buddies and kill some beers and knock back some moistures. And then, you know, you can come later on in the evening and be all dressed up with your wives. and. Enjoy the music and have, you know, kind of, you know, more elevated fun party atmosphere. And that's just a
2: wonderful uniqueness. I mean, we we say this a lot, and uh, independent restaurant operators are always looking for what their point of difference is. Um, you know, and sometimes it is in a menu and sometimes it is in a style of service. What we have here is there's a combination of elements working really well. You know, you've said it a couple of times now, you've got local people that can come in and feel more like this is their everyday place. It's casual enough where people can get right off the boat, sit outside and have beer and oysters. And yet with the menu that was described so well by Joe, you've got elevated seafood dishes and a New Orleans style influence. And you've got bone in ribeye steaks. So this could be this is a destination nighttime dinner for people to drive to. So to be able to do that all under one roof is um, is unique. And it sounds like you're doing a really good job of it.
3: Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Let's shift
2: to marketing now, because yeah. you're, you're new. Uh, you're building a new name. You know, you didn't take over place. You're building a new name and you've got all kinds of unique things. Uh, does that impact your marketing program? I mean, do we will we see sort of a dinner, but also spend the bungalow night one night package or um do you work things maybe with local fishermen? we come down and go out for four hours and fish, and then it come come in and have dinner on the um, you know on the deck or the pier
3: or um, or not. Well, we, you know, we kind of do have a, a package with uh, guests who stay at the bungalow and come down. and They get a discount; they get twenty percent discount with their meal uh, for their for their stay at the bungalows. Um, so we, we you know we want people to feel connected. We don't want to feel We don't want them to feel disconnected. Um, So, you know, to create that package, we do do that, Um, you know, with the local fishermen, we haven't, you know, we haven't, we haven't done like a, uh, you know, catch and cook type deal, just because there's a lot of different regulations that kind of go into, go into that. Um, And, you know, with the volume that we do, we don't want things getting mixed up, you know fish that shouldn't be caught in our kitchen, vice versa, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And uh, but we do have a large fishing base that they take people fishing and they come there and they hang out and then you know they're coming and enjoying the patio. So we we definitely do enjoy the the all the chartermen who are taking people out that that come in and uh after after a days fishing come come join us for a few beers and some some dinner. Uh we you know there's things planned for the future where we're looking to, to do some more sunset cruises, things like that. Because we do have this marina, and it's is it partnering with you know, um, you know, boat chartering companies? Is it bringing in some of our own vessels? Uh, these are some of the ideas that we're kind of playing with now because we do want to, you know, when people do drive this way, like you said, it, it can be you know, it can be a bit of a hike and it can be a destination. So, we want to be able to make sure we're optimizing everything that we can with, you know, with, with the space that we have to work with. And I think that naturally the next step would be, would be something on the water now um, for guests to be able to experience.
1: My experience here in North Carolina, along the Outer Banks uh, resort areas, is that the uh, hospitality people, business people in general, tend to be a pretty tight community and they look out for each other. Um, is that kind of the same thing going on for you guys there um, where there might be a hotel down the street saying, Oh yeah, you want to get great seafood. You got to, you got to go here." Or, um, is there a pretty strong sense of community in terms of helping you each, each of you prom- each promote each other's um, businesses?
3: Yeah. You know, even with the neighboring restaurants, uh, we're still very friendly and, you know, you know, we're always, you know, people, we have a long wait. Oh, any place that we're always working. Oh, go right down the road. Go dive bar, been there, you know, 25 plus years, go down to Topwater. Uh, there, you know, another seafood restaurant a little further down the road. Um, and then again, with, you know, in the local business community, yes, I do get that, you know, where I store my boat, you know, I was just talking to the manager over there and he was like, you know, he's, you know, I'm always, he's like, I'm always recommending people. They always ask me to come into town and they're renting a boat They're, you know, they hey, where to go. And I'm always like, hey, you know, go check out pier six it's right there on the water, et cetera. Um, But even in town, you know, we've we've had a lot of love and support from uh, the food critics, the press, um, which has been really great. So we're very appreciative of that. Uh, And, you know, the, you know, the, the greater Houston area and greater Galveston area, customers coming in, um, you know, uh, I'll get stopped randomly. People will notice me from, you know, you know, a a new segment that we did, you know, they'll love the restaurant, Uh, And and that's really great to, you know, to hear or they say, oh, most, you know, I'm sending my parents down there. They'll they'll send me a message because, you know, they, you know, they're they're looking for something special on water. And, you know, they're they're also small business owners. So, uh, you know, you know, they understand where we're coming from, from owning a small business and uh, wanting to support other small business owners. So uh, I do think that's important. And we try to we try to do the same.
1: That's great. I mean, it, it's got to make uh, operating a business much more enjoyable. Just to be in that kind of environment, at least from my perspective.
3: Absolutely, Yeah, yeah. of course. Tight, tight, tighter community, you know, being friendly with everyone. It's you know, it's important, you know, supporting mm-hmm. supporting everybody. And you know, there's there's not one winner and just one person. You know, um, you know, as a community, if if everyone's doing well overall, I think everyone will do better. Yeah, that's great.
2: Well, this is really interesting. I, I mean, the uh, idea of having um, a bungalow situation, Airbnb that you're managing, uh, the restaurant, as you mentioned, that can do things from as casual as sit on the deck, beer and oysters, to a, an extremely good high-end steak or seafood uh, experience is wonderful. What kind of management team uh, that does do you have Joe to, to work with you, not just with the kitchen, but to handle things like uh, the events in the front of the house to keep the service level the way it is.
4: Is it a large management team or what? We have a, a team of four managers. So yeah, I would say it's, you know, it's, it's a good size, Yeah, uh, you know, and, and they're all, well, you know, lots of experience in management, um, some in corporate environments, some we've brought from within that we've hired, moved up from within. So, you know, We've got a lot of support in the front of the house um and like Rass said earlier you know it takes you know that's one area that I don't really have to worry about you know I spend more of my time now focusing on kitchen developing menu items and and uh you know pushing pushing the envelope forward so uh,
3: we have a great management team and uh you know and we're and we're continuing to grow on that and yeah. it's you know like you said on the marketing side we don't really have a private dining space yet but it's something we're looking at incorporating in it. And, and and doing that we're you know starting you know train management staff okay how can we you know capitalize on booking these large parties and making sure that when we do it they're getting the experience that they deserve um yes. and it's it's fine tuning um you know all the different aspects of the restaurant with the management team and you know, we we definitely do you know weekly meetings with them we have goals uh we do do a lot of you know fun events uh, like, you know, Father's Day is coming up, and it's, you know, we've got someone coming in to, to roll cigars, and uh, we have different special offerings that we're going to be doing, and, you know, the place will be kind of decked out, uh, You know we're always decorating for all the different, you know, holidays, 4th of July, we have a massive firework show, it's going to be you know, a 20 minutes long firework show at the end of the marina, um, and this is a professional crew comes in and does it, and, you know, we have this Space decked out red, white, and blue, and balloons. And we will have stilt walkers and a lot of fun stuff. And for all the, the holidays, we always, you know, we always kind of kind of go all out. And uh, because when the consumers come in, customers come in, we want them to feel like we put our best foot forward to, you know, to elevate that day, that experience, and just make it that much more. Um, not just they're going to come in and feel like it's a regular old Saturday at Pier 6, but, you know, when they come in for, You know, our Fat Tuesday party, they're going to see a girl hanging from the ceiling doing these cool dance, like a rope dance. Uh, They're going to see still walkers, um, all kinds of different fun things uh, that we'd like to try to incorporate with our events. And it's something we're kind of growing that program.
1: Chris and I, having done a bunch of these uh, through the pandemic and after the pandemic, um, this is really refreshing to talk to somebody who's really, wants to elevate the on-premises dining experience and we didn't have to talk about third-party delivery or takeout once today. Um, you know, I I have to ask, of course, um, uh, very hesitantly because what you have there is such an amazing on-premises, uh, concept. Does that come into play at all? Or uh, my guess is it just really, that's not what you're all about and it's not what you really need, but, um, but, I, but you know, your business.
3: Yeah. You know, the, the third party, we, we have not participated in, you know, any third party, you know, carry outs, DoorDash, you know, Uber Eats, et cetera. Um, it's, it's something that we're kind of looking into to maybe offering during the weekdays, a few different items. We, we have some good items that could hold up well, but you know, some of the things that we do, we don't want you to eat in 20 minutes we want you to eat it in a few minutes and taste sure. it how it should taste. Um, so if we do do it, it's going to be very limited to certain dishes um, because, you know, we're in San Leon and you, there's a few different places to eat. And if you live in the area and you, you know, maybe you don't want to go to the restaurant, but you want a burger or you're at work or this or that, maybe it's something that we could offer. Uh, and it just, it has to be executed right in our opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, man, that's a very good point. Revenue stream. You know, it's, that's, for us, the revenue side of it isn't as important as the quality of, of what the customer is going to get.
2: I think that's a very good point. You know, There's always more than one way to skin a cat. Not everything that everyone does is for every concept. Yeah. So I feel quite confident that when you do look at that program and when you want to do it, whether it is limited some days. You'll probably come up with limited to some menus uh, that are, it can be packaged right and represent you well. Because based on the conversation that we've had today, not everything that you're doing is going to fit into a standard family pack or a standard curbside pickup. Uh, But certainly some of the more casual things you're doing might do, and you might have a lot of fun actually trying to target slower days and make Tuesday your whatever family something day. And and you might find that some of your grilled items or casual fried boy items and whatnot can be wrapped and uh, travel well if people really do want to do online ordering and curbside pickup. So, yeah, I feel confident that if, if you're going to look at it in the future, you're probably going to thread that needle properly.
3: Yeah, it, it you know there'll be a few hiccups here and there, but <laughs> trial and error like everything, and uh you know we can make it work. You know we definitely will, and uh, like I said, it just it just you know it has to feel right to the brand as well. Um, mm-hmm.
4: Uh,
3: we don't we don't do things just because we think it's you know going to be a money maker. Um, uh, you know we you know, we want it to be done right. That's a
1: great point, Chris. I mean, there are yeah. a lot of operators jumping into things because they just want to drive revenue and brand integrity. You know, to me, that's the only way you're going to have a sustainable business.
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah. You have, you know, recently within just the last few years, created a brand and you have elevated a seafood experience. You've expanded a brand where people understand it now as uh, a restaurant for many different purposes and an Airbnb that can be either you know, separate or connected. So um, I'm sure as you broaden, if you broaden, you're gonna make sure that it fits in well to represent the brand. Thank you. This has been a joy. Uh, Barry and I love doing this and we could listen to you guys tell us some stories about uh, you know what you're doing on and on, but we do have to kind of wrap up now. But I Thank think you. the listeners got kind of a unique storyline from the uh, second generation seafood situation to the wholesaling and then the restaurant and not just the restaurant, but the unique way that you fit in to this beach community to make all these different levels work. Um, I, I, I really, really respect what you've been doing in such a short period of time. Good for you.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate and Joe it. Raz
1: really enjoyed it and, and uh, very impressed with, with your story and love to come down there and, and check, check out your concept and it just sounds uh particularly for me it just sounds really inviting so uh, congratulations on that and and thank you best of luck going forward Uh, i have no doubt you're going to continue to be successful well everybody do that check
2: out pier six pier six san leon texas we everyone's got
3: to check it out yeah well thank you guys we really appreciate the time and the you know giving us the opportunity to kind of tell our story and you know get you know Further grow our brand to your to your listeners and kind of just like you said, break down the inner workings of our uh, our day to day. So uh, hope everyone enjoys uh, the conversation.
2: It's been our pleasure. Thank you. Continued success and for all your listeners, we hope that we catch up real soon on another corner booth. Thanks.
3: Thank
0: We'd like to thank Touch Bistro for sponsoring this episode. Touch Bistro provides an all-in-one POS and restaurant management platform for venues of all sizes, from food trucks to fine dining. Go to touchbistro.com to find out how Touch Bistro can solve your restaurant technology challenges today. Thank you for joining us on The Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business.